Welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday. Welcome into Soccer Morning. That's what it's called. That's the name of the show. On WorldSoccerTalk.com. Happy to have you as we get underway here with a new week. All soccer talk, all the time. Maybe we'll throw in a couple of anecdotes, some uh, some other stuff. Life is more than soccer, but very, very little of it is more than soccer. Big weekend to talk about here on a Monday edition. Andrew Mangan from Arsblog will join us in the next segment. Good to chat with Andrew pretty much every single time he comes on the show. In this particular case, we will preview Arsenal season. We'll talk about that Community Shield victory uh, for the Gunners over Chelsea. We'll talk about the Wenger Mourinho spat that continues. Uh, <laughs> I got the. I didn't watch any of the Community Shield. I was out running errands. It was a thing, but I get home. And I flip on the television, and what do I see? I'm, I'm watching the aftermath. Like, okay, so uh, Arsenal's won the game. Uh, Oxley chamberlain scored the goal, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, look, here's Chelsea going up to get their runners-up medals. You know, they don't want them, but they have to as part of the ceremony. Here's Arsenal going up to get their winners' medals. And then they go to Mourinho, the bottom of the stairs, on the field level, as the Arsenal players are coming down. And he's shaking everyone's hand as they come by. He's, some of them get a little bit more dapped than others. He obviously has a relationship with some players. He doesn't with others. Fine. Then, <laughs> then Darson Wenger comes down the stairs. Corvette proceeds to go a different direction than the rest of the team, than all of his players. And uh, Mourinho does a little spin, and they avoid each other completely. Mourinho tosses his second-place medal into the stands after somebody threw some garbage at him. And now that's all we can talk about today, I imagine. We could spend an hour talking about Mourinho and Wenger and this ridiculous nonsense that is their non-existent relationship. So that'll be a topic of discussion with Andrew Mangan, most certainly. Uh, let's hit some headlines here on a Monday. We did uh, have a big weekend, not just the Community Shield, certainly MLS. I'll start with the Community Shield. Arsenal beating uh, Chelsea 1-0. Uh, Oxlade-Chamberlain Chamberlain with the goal, as I mentioned. Uh, the first time, I believe, that, uh, that Arsene Wenger has ever beaten Jose Mourinho uh, in the Premier League. This may, that may be overall, but it's certainly in the Premier League. Uh, ten years they've been going at it. It's the first time Wenger has come out on top. In American soccer, D.C. United beating RSL 6-4 to four on Saturday. Yeah, that's right, 6-4. to four. Ten goals in that game at RFK Stadium. Chris Rolfe scored twice. You had goals, uh, two goals by RSL to go up. Kyle Beckerman and Joao Plata. Plata scored in the second minute. DC United making a habit of going down very early and then coming back. There's your goal. This is your goal tally from this game. Joao Plata, second minute. Kyle Beckerman, 21st minute. Chris Rawl, 42nd minute. Chris Rawl, 54th minute on a PK. Taylor Kemp with an absolute screamer in the 59th minute. Aaron Mond in the second, in the 62nd minute. Fabian Espindola, 63rd minute. Mansali, 68th minute. Perry Kitchen, 79th, and Nick DeLeon to cap it off in the 85th minute. So, yeah, six, six goals for D.C. United, four for RSL. Something like 39 shots total between the two teams. Uh, 23 of them on target. Quite the day out at RFK. Suddenly, uh, D.C. United, a team that gives up goals but scores a lot as well. Angel Di Maria has shown up in Qatar ahead of a potential move. Cutter, I say, I say Cutter, uh, ahead of the uh, expected move. Uh, to Manchester, I'm sorry, to PSG from Manchester United. And there had been some question over where Marie, Di Maria was, but apparently he uh, he is leaving. He is in. He is with the team. I'm uh, sorry, he is with PSG uh, in Qatar today. He'll uh, undergo a medical. Forty-four and a half million pounds to move from Manchester United to PSG. There's been some back and forth about whether or not he's joining a quote-unquote bigger club. Thiago, Thiago Silva taking some heat on social media for claiming that uh, that PSG is a bigger club than Manchester United. In this day and age, it's, it's all about how much money you spend. PSG spending a lot of money. Lionel Messi has been criticized by the Human Rights Foundation for his trip to Gabon, uh, uh, which was uh, what, a couple weeks ago. Uh, if you remember, you might have seen the pictures of, of Lionel Messi. He went to Gabon. He uh, was dressed uh, very casual when he got off the plane there. This trip was uh, something 
I'm not even sure what it was about, but uh, here's your quote. Whereas Messi claims to support children's rights and even serves as a UNICEF ambassador to promote youth education, he has endorsed a kleptocratic regime that refuses to investigate the ritual murder of children in Gabon. Uh, Messi's trip is part of the Bongo families, the Bongo family being uh, President Ali Bongo Ondima, Ondimba, who uh, is the pres- yeah, who the president and dictator of Gabon. Um, which Gabon, he says, uh, part of the PR campaign to promote the 2017 Africa Cup of Nations, which Gabon will host. Um, uh, at enormous expense, despite the, despite the fact that the Bongo family's embezzlement has left 20% of the population to live on less than $2 a day. It's not a good look for Lionel Messi, but uh, yeah, you, you get wrapped up in these PR situations. I imagine sometimes these players don't know what they're getting themselves into. They're trusting their handlers. Messi probably should have known. He has a pattern of getting himself into bad situations where um, just a little bit more uh, diligence, a little bit more education probably would keep him from getting in quite so much trouble. Back to MLS, DC, or sorry, uh, Seattle Sounders losers again uh, to the Vancouver Whitecaps 3-0. I think that's seven out of the last eight lo- uh, games lost by Seattle. Clint Dempsey returned to the lineup. Brad Evans returned to the lineup. It did not make a difference. Pamuda Ka scored twice for Vancouver, both, on, both of them on set pieces that weren't cleared by Seattle. Uh, one of them a nice little volley, and the other one a back heel. So Bob Mutaka was feeling it for Vancouver on the weekend. And again, it's it's troubling in Seattle right now. Something is is very very broken with that team. They need to learn how to win again. Uh, and the way that uh, the way the the um, standings are shaking out right now, the only reason they maintained their spot in the playoff places is because RSL lost at DC United. If uh, if RSL had managed a point then uh, Seattle would be in a, in much bigger trouble here. Uh, but they've got a good team. They should be able to turn it around. We'll see what happens in the near future. Frank Lampard finally made his NYCFC debut uh, in a loss to Montreal. So uh, Frank came on as a substitute. It did not go well for New York City FC on the whole, however. Yeah, goals from Romero. Uh, very good play. Uh, Piatti was excellent on the day for Montreal, and they take out. The New York Club, 3-2. to two. All right, let's step aside. When we come back, we will talk to our friend Andrew Mangan from Arsblog. We'll get his take on the season for Arsenal, that Community Shield victory, Mourinho and Wenger. It's Soccer Morning, WorldSoccerTalk.com. Be right back. So far this season, the New York Red Bulls have owned New York City FC, winning both times the two teams have played. One at Red Bull Arena, one at Yankee Stadium. Now it's time for a third go-round as the Red Bulls play host to New York City this Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern. Soccer Morning listeners, I'd like to invite you to hear my thoughts and analysis live during the game at Rabble.tv. With Rabble, the concept is simple. All you have to do is tune into the broadcast on TV, press the mute button, and then head over to Rabble.tv to listen to the broadcast on your desktop, through your iOS app, and now through your mobile browser. You can join in, too, by posting your questions and observations in the comment section. And if you have an iPhone, install the Rabble TV app and add a comment to the broadcast message board, then listen live via the app. Or why don't you create your own broadcast, call one of your team's games. It's easy. Sign up for free and try it out. Will it be a clean sweep for the Red Bulls in the Hudson River Derby? Or can NYCFC make a difference with Pirlo in midfield? Find out this Sunday with me on Rabble.tv. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Here we go back on Soccer Morning on a Monday. Good opportunity to talk to our friend Andrew Mangan from Ars Blog, who joins me now. Hi, Andrew. Hi there. It's a, it's a, a good Monday, I imagine. You're only, we're only days away from the start of the Premier League season. We have a, a trophy already, Community Shield, uh, <laughs> taken care of. Of course, we, we know the value of that particular uh, sure. A bit of silverware, Andrew, but but look, uh, you know, rather win it than lose it, I imagine. Absolutely. I think, um, you know, there are a number of positives you can take from it. Obviously, beating Chelsea, 
keeping the winning run during preseason going, keeping another clean sheet against good opposition. So I think there are certainly positives to take from it. But, you know, like you say, you can't really overstate the importance of it. It's not it's not the trophy that every football player dreams of winning. You know, when, they, um, when they're starting out, they don't hope one day to parade around Wembley lifting the community shield. Um, so you have to put it in, in that context a little bit. It is the final game of preseason. It's more about getting sharp and getting fit. But, you know, anytime you beat Chelsea is, is good for, from an Arsenal point of view. Yeah, I saw, I saw Mertesacker say after the match that, you know, it's still preseason, putting it in its proper context. Um, mm. In terms of the, you know, the goal is to ramp up your preseason preparations so that when you get to your season, you're, you're, you hit the ground running, you're ready to go, you're healthy, you're confident, and you're playing good football. It, it, did you see enough of that in this final warm-up, in, in, in the game that you know, is mildly more competitive than a standard kick-around? Yeah, I mean, I think there's been a good progression for Arsenal during preseason. They, they went on the, the tour to Singapore and they beat Everton. Um, over there, they've beaten Wolfsburg and Leon in the Emirates Cup. Again, you're putting it into context that it is preseason. And then you step up again, you're playing last season's champions. And regardless of the importance of the trophy, when those two teams come together, both teams want to win and want to win badly. You know, there, there's a lot at play. Uh, between Arsenal and Chelsea every time they meet, regardless of the the competition that they're in. But I think what we saw was a good Arsenal performance. Um, they sort of fell into, I won't say they fell into, but they quite deliberately sat off Chelsea and let them come at, uh, let them, come at them. Um, there was a bit of niggle in the game. There was a bit of, uh, a bit of spikiness a couple of times as well. But, you know, they, they took the lead deservedly and hung on to it deservedly as well. So I don't think anybody could really argue with the result. A couple of storylines here, uh, the, the relationship between the two clubs and, and certainly the men at the top. But I'll, I'll start with uh, <laughs> with Petr Cech and his move and, and your, your 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 take, first of all, on, on what he brings to Arsenal and then, you know, the, the dynamic of leaving Chelsea after so long and, and jumping across uh, across town to play for Arsenal now. Well, what he brings is huge experience and quality. He's won pretty much everything there is to win, the Premier League, the Champions League, uh, the FA Cup. You know, he's 33 years of age, which is experience for a goalkeeper, but still not anywhere near um, being over the hill. So I think he's coming to Arsenal with something to prove. You know, he lost his place uh, to Courtois, who's a fantastic goalkeeper. So you can understand why that happens, but maybe he'll feel that uh, what he gave Chelsea um, he didn't necessarily deserve to to be treated the way he was treated. I don't think he was treated particularly badly, but I think it would still sting from a professional point of view that he was overlooked. You know, so he he brings that to to Arsenal. Um, you know, he's he's going to fit in pretty well in the dressing room there. I think he already has. Um, and it sort of adds a bit more quality to Arsenal in a position where they weren't necessarily weak in, but you always felt like it could be improved. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the, he made one, uh, one big save on a free kick, mm. uh, that was certainly, um, important to the victory. Now, the other dynamic that is getting a lot of run, of course, is the relationship between Arsene Wenger or, and, uh, Jose Mourinho, or I should say the, the <laughs> non-relationship, the, uh, yeah. the animosity between these two gentlemen. Um, it's, it's, it's comical now. It's farcical now, Andrew. What, what I witnessed and what the world witnessed, uh, if they watched that, the, the post-match, uh, um, pageantry, uh, at Wembley on Sunday was, uh, was petulance at its highest and, and both, on both of their parts. I, I don't think either one of them looks very good right now. I don't think it matters in the slightest. I don't. I don't understand why anybody's worried about whether oh, Jose sure. Mourinho okay. and Arsene Wenger get on with each other. It's a good point. <laughs> I really, no, honestly, point. you know, I've seen so many think pieces this morning, and you know, sort of echoing those thoughts that oh, it's petulant. They should grow up. They should behave better. Why? It's perfectly okay for two grown men not to like each other. And you know what's better than than uh, fake handshakes in front of the media and uh, fake backslappery is both of them. And Arsene Wenger in particular, sticking to his principles in a way that he doesn't like Mourinho. And Mourinho has said things about him that were over the top and out of order. As he does Um, with everybody. And and his decision is not to shake the man's hand rather than be a hypocrite. And I think 
there should be more of that. Okay. This this right. obsession with the handshake in English football is bananas. Like, really, who cares? Yeah. It doesn't reflect badly on either man, as far as I'm concerned. They don't like each other. Let's just get on with it. Let's accept that, move on, and not make it a story every single time. That's, okay. All right. Well, I mean, that's we, my that's my feeling. No, on no, it, I, it, it's complete. It's it, it, that is a, a completely defensible position and and reasonable. And you're right. There are, there are there are people, uh, there there are people who I don't like in the profession I I'm in. That I will I'll just avoid them. There's no point in in creating. Um, Correct. Yeah. I mean, you know, look the 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 hitting stuff. I mean, I, that's obviously crossing a line, but. Uh, the lack of a handshake is not. The lack of a handshake is a, a decision made on on their part. I I can see where you're where you're coming from that, and mm. and maybe, may, may, I I don't know. Uh, there Go is. Go on, be devil's advocate. Go on. No, no I I'm, just, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that there's a reason uh, to disagree with you. I, I'm I'm trying to t- I'm trying to get to why it is such, of why it is of such interest uh, that they choose to to not shake hands or that uh, yeah. Uh, you know. I mean, look. I I think people people like it, don't they? When when you very rarely see two football managers. Well, it, it, you know, Clough uh, Revy comes to mind. You know, sure. that, that kind of thing. And then maybe that's, I mean, maybe this is iconic in that way. I don't know. Mm, it could be. But I mean, I think that, you know, it makes headlines, doesn't it? Simply because of the profile of the two men and the jobs that they're in, that if they clash on the sideline at Stamford Bridge, you know, and they come together. Of course, it's a story because it's on live television and you've got two men, um, you know, uh, having an argument. Um, people like rubbernecking, don't they? You know, yeah. if they see a fight going on down the street, they'll they'll keep an eye on it and go, <laughs> look at those two ages. So I, I think from that point of view, it's the profile, the positions that they're in. But I don't think there's any mileage at all in both of them ignoring each other. Okay. All right. Fair you enough. know, there's mileage in if if they... If they came together and they had another argument, make all the headlines you want. But I think from both their point of views, I made a decision. I do not like this man. I don't like this man. So uh, they might be uh, capable of a bit of bitching and sniping in the press. But when it comes right down to it, they, they seem content enough to ignore each other. And that works That works well for both of them. Is there? Do you believe that there's mileage? And this has become it, – it started to take on this um, – it's the most mythical character that every time Jose Mourinho opens his mouth now, Andrew, there is some there there will be at least one or two or three media outlets who will ascribe head games to his mm. words, regardless of what he says or who he's talking about. I mean, the, the the recent spat with Rafa Benitez, which is ridiculous. I mean, that that he's not he's not going for a Premier League title against Rafa Benitez this season. Now, maybe they'll they'll face off at some point somewhere down the line. But and, and I know he's a you know, he was at Real Madrid, but it, it's just that's. To me, that is more that that's where the petulance sort of crosses the line mm. for because that again that's needless. Um, if yeah, he's, if he's well, trying, no, I mean the, the way I, the way I'd look at that is I I don't think he says anything. He never ever says anything without there being a reason for it. I don't think he's one of those men that that just says things off the top of his head. You know, I think he 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 chooses his words very carefully in almost every situation that he's in because he he knows how to to manipulate the media. I mean, the the, the thing about Benitez, look, uh, I guess he didn't just call a press conference to respond to those questions. The the, the comments were made by Mrs. Benitez, I right. think, yes. and he was asked about them, and he responded. And yeah, it's, you know, it's a bit silly and it's a bit petulant, but look, you know, uh, I don't think it's, I don't think it's the end of the world either. What, what, what sort of bothers me a little bit not not that it bothers me per se but I, I find it hard sometimes that the journalists uh in the uk press don't challenge him more mm. on the things that he says okay and the way that he says certain things like if he's complaining about for example manchester city spending big why is that not framed in the context of well look at what you have done at chelsea look at the money that you've spent at chelsea all down the years, look at the way Chelsea have spent money. You know, it's those kind of things that they, they sort of led him away with stuff that uh, I don't think he was led away with in the Spanish press, for example. That's probably true. I mean, there does there does seem to be this sort of reverence um, and awe that that uh, pervades that allows him free reign on that on that level. Yeah. I, I, you know, just coming, bringing it back to Arsenal because that's sure. why you're here. To, that's why you're here, Andrew, to talk about Arsenal. Um, you, you know, do you believe that there's that there's something to uh, to Mourinho's? Uh, I don't know. I mean, at, at this point, do you believe it has anything to do with how Arsenal finishes and and how they play Chelsea when they when they play Chelsea? 
How do you mean exactly? I don't the, the, quite... the Mourinho, the Mourinho nonsense. I mean, is Mourinho setting the stage again for more, you know, for more uh, dominance over Arsenal down the line? Because ah, okay, you know, there's okay. because well, he continues with the not that not again. This is a two way street, and I and I respect the 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 choice of of both men not to like the other man as you've laid out. That's a, a, a very a uh, very mm. smart take, but uh, again, we as you said, Mourinho chooses his words and I, and I believe his actions uh, fairly carefully. And in, in a lot of cases, it, there is so, there is this belief that he is um, creating a scenario in which you know now he's in Wenger's head again for the okay. You know, yeah. But what what are we talking about today when it comes to Mourinho? We're talking about a handshake. We're talking about <laughs> Arsene Wenger not doing something, sure. not something that Arsene Wenger did to sure. Mourinho. Sure. We're talking about Arsene Wenger not doing something that could have just as easily been ignored. We're not talking about uh, Loic Remy's abysmal first half performance, okay. in which he seemed to completely uh, lose any understanding of the offside rule. We're not talking about uh, Falcao coming on and being probably worse than Remy. We're not talking about Chelsea being beaten. We're not talking about Arsenal winning against Chelsea. We're not talking about Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain's brilliant goal. You know, all these other things that people could question Mourinho about. Instead, what he did, again, I think quite deliberately, is to deflect away from the failings of his team. And that's, you know, that's what he does, and that's clever, but I don't understand why people don't see through it and challenge him more about... Let's talk. Let's not worry about the handshake. Let's talk about why your strikers were so terrible yesterday. Mm-hmm. You know, th- mm-hmm. those are the those are the things. So, look, it's always going to be. There's always going to be an agenda and an issue with Mourinho, um, and, and people people understand that and realize that. But you know, from an Arsenal point of view, I think uh, you know they can take they can take a lot more positives from what happened yesterday than than Chelsea can. Certainly, uh, and, and that brings me now to the season prospects for Arsenal, um, the likelihood that 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 Arsenal has strengthened enough to to chase down a Chelsea. Where, as, as uh, you you talked about, sort of the um, we talked about the momentum coming from the preseason into the into the start of, of of the Premier League season. Where has Arsenal gotten better? Where do they still need to get better as uh, the window gets ready to close shortly? Mm, I think. Um... You know, we've over the last couple of years on this show, we've we've seen, uh, we've spoken about Arsenal needing to improve, and Arsenal have improved. I think that's I think that's fair to say. Two trophies, the squad is a lot better than it was um, a couple of seasons ago. Certainly, two summers ago, the Arsenal squad was much inferior to what it is now. And if you look uh, yesterday, Arsenal did what they did yesterday without Alexis Sanchez. There was no Thomas Rosicki, no Callum Chambers, no David Ospina, no Jack Wilshire, no Matthew Flamini, no Danny Welbeck. They weren't even in the squad mm-hmm. or on the bench. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at um, Arsenal having a far deeper squad than they've had in recent years. And I think what becomes more challenging when you've got a squad that's significantly improved is that it becomes more difficult to find players who can improve it further, which is why you're seeing Arsenal linked with somebody like Karim Benzema. You know, a few years ago, people were saying players like Scott Parker and Christopher Samba could improve Arsenal. Right. Clearly, that's nonsense. They wouldn't have. <laughs> uh, but that was the sort of that was the sort of uh, level that of frustration that people had. That it was like, well, that guy could do it. And now you're looking, well, who can who can improve it? There's, you know, every team in the world can be improved in certain areas. I think Arsenal uh, could probably improve in the uh, striking position if they can find the right player or if they can get the right player. Um, but I think the squad is is as healthy as it has been for as long as I can remember. Um, and even if you want to go back to the Invincible squad, uh, which was, a, I think it was a, a remarkable team, a fantastic team, but perhaps they didn't have quite the strength and depth in terms of the overall squad. And that, I think, is because football has changed. The demands and the physicality of football has changed and it necessitates a, a bigger squad, you know. But um, the, the number of players at Arsene Wenger's disposal is as good as it has been um, for, for a very long time. It certainly seems that way. Um, is, there, uh, is there a sense that some of the things that have limited Arsenal 
over the past couple of seasons, uh, mostly injury. I mean, when uh, we, I think we talked about how important Aaron Ramsey was, and then when he went in, when he went injured, it slowed the momentum. It slowed down Arsenal pretty significantly. Uh, never, maybe never count on Jack Wilshere at this point. How long is Jack Wilshere going to be out? I, I feel so bad for the kid. I don't know. I've, yeah, I, I, hopefully it's not. A, hopefully it's not anything too bad because uh, he was in great in great shape going into this and uh, it seems like he's picked up an ankle injury during training so whether he got a kick whether he's uh, gone over on his ankle sprained his ankle I don't quite know um, but you know you 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 hold your breath don't you when you hear that Jack's injured an ankle um, Arsene Wenger was saying after the community shield that he, he thought it would be a matter of days but yeah I, I'll, I'll wait until we hear from um, the medical staff before I, I let myself get uh, too hopeful. Sure. So, but Jack's injury notwithstanding, there isn't. There's depth here. There is. There's yeah. real legitimate depth. And and if you lose a Ramsey, you lose a Wilshire, uh, you lose a, even a Sanchez. You have somebody to step in, and 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 help you know smooth out some of those bumps that have been Arsenal's mm. uh, problem. Yeah, I mean, of course, you can't have. 25 players of the level of Alexis Sanchez and Mesut Ozil. You just, you know, that's not, it's just not possible. Real Madrid t- tried to do that, didn't they, with the Galacticos, and, and that didn't work. Um, so you, you've got to trust in the depth of your squad as well and, uh, and hope that these guys, when they come in, are A, capable of playing a part, and B, they, they can respond to the competitive nature of the squad because they know that maybe their chances might be a bit limited. So when they come, they've really got to take them. They've got to show that they're they're ready, and they've got to give the manager some headaches. You know, he's got to have difficult decisions to make about who's going to play in each game. So you look at something like right back, and he's an, uh, an experienced French international in Mathieu Debouchy, but he's playing Hector Bellerin because Bellerin, um, you know, had a, a brilliant second half of last season. He's a really really exciting player, but Bellerin must know that if he lets his level drop even a little bit then Debushi will come back into the side and that's that's the environment that's being fostered at the moment and it's a, it's a very healthy one. Yeah, it certainly can work. Um what what is difficult for a manager I imagine I've never been in this position Andrew and I never will be, but uh, what fascinates to me is the idea of squad rotation. Um you know, you you're not going to play you're not going to play the same 11 every single time out. It's just not possible. No. Uh but even if you could Maybe you don't want to, especially if you have this depth. You you want to be able to. You have to give players a taste of of, of first team football, or first uh, eleven football, if they're going mm. to keep up their standard. So uh, again, how how difficult do you think it will be? I mean, it, it's one of those problems uh, that is that every manager would love to have. Is I've got too many good players, mm. but is 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 Wenger in a position this season to manage that uh, all the way to the goals of the club at this point? Which again, Premier League title. Champions League success, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I mean, it's a really good question because as much as it's a positive to to have this strength and depth, it is also a challenge to keep those players happy and to make sure that there's a, a harmony in the squad that's conducive to uh, to going on and winning things. You want everybody pulling in the same direction. You don't want unhappy players you know, um, not necessarily bad apples, but, you know, you want everyone to be as happy as possible. I think probably what we'll see from Arsene Wenger this season is more more tinkering or tailoring his team to the opposition than we have in the past. Okay. So the options that he's got up front, Giroud, Walcott, Alexis, Danny Welbeck, you know, there might be there might be games where where Olivier Giroud is the guy to play because you need exactly what he brings the team, this uh, sort of a target man, somebody who can hold up play, who can link play, who's good in the air. Other teams, you might want to unleash the pace of Theo Walcott on them. Um, you know, those sort of options are are very good for him to have. It's it's working out when to use them or, or the, the best way to use them, you know? So there's a lot of football to be played also, Regardless of how things have improved from an injury point of view, there will be injuries. There will be tiredness. There'll yeah. be suspension. There'll be loss of form. You know, so all those things necessitate a bit of squad rotation as well. Yeah. Uh, all the competitions that Arsenal are in, the, the Capital One Cup, the Champions League, the FA Cup, the Premier League, there is a lot of football to play and he's going to use his squad as well as he can, I think, to ensure that, um, you know, they remain fresh and they remain um sharp because it can be the small things 
um, uh, small margins at, at the very top level that, that set you apart from your, your main rivals. So uh, we, before we talk a little bit about uh, opening the season against against West Ham and, and perhaps um, uh, the the contracts of Kazdora, Kazorla and uh, and Walcott, um, you mentioned <laughs> the notion of who can help this team, who can who who's uh, where's the player that will make them better, and, and a name like Kareem Benzema, whether or not you get him, that's kind of beyond the point for what you were making, but but it does bring up the the question of all right, so Giroud is what Giroud is. Is there is there a player like Giroud out there they can find or better than Giroud uh, to improve that position and provide cover? Because as you, the, the the forward options you just named, all of them fit a certain type except for Olivier Giroud. Mm. Yeah, well, look, you know, I think, um, I think they'll be looking to see who's available and why they're available, you know, because Madrid won't let Benzema go unless they can find a replacement. Um, you know, Arsenal don't have a lack of forward options. The options that they have, you could argue, could be improved um, by the signing of someone like Benzema or or another, you know, world-class striker. If you can find one, that's the difficulty that most clubs around Europe would be um, keeping their eye out for a striker who can make the difference. You know, that is, that's the reality. But those players aren't really out there. You know, there's a few guys maybe bubbling under who could be the next big thing, yeah, but we yeah. don't quite know whether or not they're going to be worth the gamble. And I think the the difficulty for, for Arsenal is that if you are going to bring somebody in, you have to be 100% sure that it's somebody better than what you've got, not somebody who could be better than what you've got in 18 months' time or who might not be better than what you've got. Uh, if if you take a chance on them, so that's the difficulty. But you know, I think the the options are there, and and Arsene Wenger is looking for more goals from his team this season. That's what he said. He wants an extra ten or fifteen goals in the Premier League, and immediately people will think, well, we've got to get a striker to get those goals. Those goals can come from elsewhere. You know, Alex Oxley Chamberlain showed yesterday at Wembley sure. that he's more than capable of scoring goals. He should be scoring more goals. Yeah. He says that himself. Uh, Wenger once more from, from Mesut Ozil. You've got goals coming from Ramsey, Wilshire, Cazorla, uh, in midfield, Walcott, Alexis, Welbeck, Giroud. You know, Arsenal aren't short of players who can score goals. Yeah. So I don't think there's any huge drama if they don't find that striker. But if they do, I think they'll be prepared to, to do what it takes. All right. There you go. Uh, the, 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 just a quick comment from you, Andrew, on the, on the, uh, the contracts for Theo Walcott and Santi Cazorla. And I know, um, you know, obviously Theo's been around for a very long time. Santi has come in and been an excellent player for Arsenal. What do these contracts say about the, where the club is, where they're going, et cetera, et cetera? I mean, I think it says that Arsenal are, capable of and actually are keeping their best players at the club having gone through a period when their best players very often left the club um you know even with somebody like walcott at 26 give him a four-year deal and if after 18 months it isn't quite working out then you've still got enough left on his contract to command a kind of fee that can help you find a replacement because i think what it is is a commitment to arsenal for the next couple of seasons you know there was a lot of talk about him going back to spain um but i think having extended his deal again this is the second extension he signed in the last about 15 months so uh, i think it's a reward for the performances that he put in last season and just how important he is to the arsenal team you know he's a, a just a joy to watch so i think it just says that the club are willing to keep their best players at the club to maintain the squad depth to keep it competitive and uh, I don't think it rules them out of uh, any transfer market moves, even if uh, even if that's what they want to do. So, uh, you know, give me a sense, Andrew, of, uh, of what you expect this weekend against against West Ham. I mean, clearly a team that Arsenal is supposed to beat, and uh, but we've seen in the past. I mean, I, I, I my my memory is fuzzy. I'm sure you have a, this uh, burned in. Whichever year it was, Arsenal started out the season with a just absolute uh, terrible loss to Aston Villa. That's yeah. the kind of thing that can happen. Uh, so they, they they look good, uh, they feel good, I imagine, after the the Community Shield win. This one's this one's not is this business as usual right here? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think as we spoke about at the top of the 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 show, there it's about keeping the momentum going. And Arsenal have got good momentum from preseason. They finished the second half of last season very strongly. You know, there was, um, that their form since January has been exceptional. Um, so the challenge now is to 
is to marry a good start to the season with a good second part of the season and getting off to a good uh, start against West Ham will, will be part of that. The reason that Arsenal struggled last season wasn't because they were losing games. They were drawing too many games. You know, they drew five of their first 10 games in the Premier League. That's 10 points dropped. And that just makes it impossible for you to to catch a team like Chelsea who who got off to a great start. So it's really, really important that Arsenal continue the momentum of preseason, win their opening game against West Ham. They've got some reasonably tricky fixtures in the opening part of the season. So they need to they need to build that confidence and, and belief. West Ham, it's hard to know what kind of way they're gonna play under Slavin Bilic. Um I think the only thing we can gather from uh, what they've done up to now in preseason and, and some of their early games is that there might be a red card or two. But, uh, you know, they'll they'll be a tough test. Uh, but Arsenal have got the players to win that game. And uh, I think anything less than a win on the opening day will be hugely disappointing. Andrew Mangan from Arsblog is fantastic chat as always. Andrew, I appreciate the time and uh, no leaks this time. We managed to stay on the air. <laughs> this is good. <laughs> uh, no yellow water on my head. Thank you very much, Andrew. I appreciate it. My pleasure. All right, there we go. Let's take a break. We come back. We'll open up the phone lines. Talk to you. I got some news about Aaron Johansson and his potential transfer to Germany. Don't go anywhere. Soccer morning. WorldSoccerTalk.com. So far this season, the New York Red Bulls have owned New York City FC, winning both times the two teams have played. One at Red Bull Arena, one at Yankee Stadium. Now it's time for a third go-round as the Red Bulls play host to New York City this Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern. Soccer Morning listeners, I'd like to invite you to hear my thoughts and analysis live during the game at Rabble.tv. With Rabble, the concept is simple. All you have to do is tune into the broadcast on TV, press the mute button, and then head over to Rabble.tv to listen to the broadcast on your desktop, through your iOS app, and now through your mobile browser. You can join in, too, by posting your questions and observations in the comment section. And if you have an iPhone, install the Rabble TV app and add a comment to the broadcast message board, then listen live via the app. Or why don't you create your own broadcast, call one of your team's games. It's easy. Sign up for free and try it out. Will it be a clean sweep for the Red Bulls in the Hudson River Derby? Or can NYCFC make a difference with Pirlo in midfield? Find out this Sunday with me on Rabble.tv. Welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis. It is so Monday around here. Man. Welcome back to Soccer Morning. WorldSoccerTalk.com. Phone lines are now open. 646-832-3909. Lingabau on Twitter. Maybe I missed it, but your thoughts on Outdoors Red and his form, club, and country of late does not bode well. To me, it does not bode well. Things are not going very good for Mr. Altador. Uh, dropped from the Gold Cup squad after the group phase. Goes back to TFC. Actually made, I think, his first game back to TFC. Set up Sebastian Jovinko for a very nice goal. But, you know, it's it's so it's inconsistent with, with Josie. It's not, it's not, it, it, it's good for a little while, but then it just goes wrong. It goes sideways. And I think we're now in a position... And look, I mean, I'm not saying anything out of school here because I think the decision of uh, of, of Jurgen Klinsmann to send him home after the group phase is the message that, that we all get here is maybe Josie Outdoor's not starting in that game against Mexico on October 9th. And maybe there are some questions about whether or not Josie Outdoor is a fixture in this team moving into World Cup qualifying in November. Uh, those things are on the table now, where they may not have been on the table before. You know, uh, Josie went to England and it was a disaster, and there were a lot of people who thought, okay, but check out the service he's getting there, and check out how poor that team is around him, and check out the, the fact that the leading scorer for Sunderland had five goals. I mean, it clearly was not a good team. But now, and, and, he, and look, he had some success with TFC when he first arrived. But this isn't this isn't good stuff. This is this is bad. 
And the red card against uh, New England on the weekend just kind of adds to all of the problems that have been chasing Josie Outdoor around. 646-832-3909. Keep, uh, keep those phone calls coming. I mentioned an update, well, an update, some news on Aaron Johansson. I haven't talked about it yet. Aaron Johansson on, uh, in, the, uh, in the transfer rumor mill, potential move to Werder Bremen in Germany, although uh, Bremen's first offer to Azed Alkmaar has been rejected. So we'll keep an eye on that. U.S. international Aaron Johansson, probably the man most likely to benefit from Josie uh, Outdoor's demotion. He did during the Gold Cup. And he may going forward. And he was dangerous and dynamic in many places during that Gold Cup period for the United States. One of the few guys, you know, alongside with, alongside Clint Dempsey and uh, maybe Fabian Johnson, although he faded uh, down the last couple of matches, I, I think uh, Aaron Johansson is a guy primed to take a major step forward in his uh, influence on the U.S. men's national team. Certainly, as Altador has not done well they're not, they're different players i mean that that's part of the problem here and part of the corner that jürgen klinsman has painted himself into is a, a reliance on josie outdoor the type of skill set josie outdoor has the size and the strength uh whether or not he is a classic target forward is sort of outside of the scope of what he's asked to do for the united states and you don't have another player like him ready to go with good experience i mean that you could point to Terrence Boyd if you wanted to, but Terrence Boyd just got back on the field uh, with recovery, just back on, got back on the training field with his recovery after a knee injury. So you still have, you're still looking for that player. You're still searching. This is why, <laughs> that's why Alan Gordon got called up. That's why Alan Gordon was in the Gold Cup team after the group stage because Jurgen Klinsmann thought, hey, we might need this guy. Maybe they did. Didn't work out in the end. We might need this guy because we need this target for. Is there a better system for the United States to play? Maybe, but again, everything has this this sort of um, ripple effect. You you change something at the front of the formation with your strikers that creates a problem in your midfield. Now you're unbalanced. Now you don't have cover. Uh, your back line is obviously inexperienced, trying to learn. That's uh, tough. Let's go to Roberto. In Connecticut, what's up, Roberto? Hey, Jason. Um, I know it was, you were watching the Community Shield match um, yesterday, and I was as well. And with reports saying that Diego Costa is doubtful for um, the opener against Swansea in the Premier League, do you think Falcao gets to start, or do you think um, Remy will play despite his poor um, match yesterday? Uh, you know, I don't have an insider's uh, perspective on Chelsea at the moment. Um, you know, the... I think Mourinho, I mean, he may take a chance on Falcao only because he need, he's going to need Falcao at various points. I mean, we imagine that Falcao is going to be played in the Drogba role, right? That he's going to be sort of the um, the alternative striker option, the, the guy who plays when there's injuries, the guy who steps up when somebody's going through a bad run of form. If that's the case and you, have, and you don't have Costa to start the season, why not give Falcao an opportunity? Uh, you know, Swansea's not going to be easy. But they should beat Swansea, and and if Falcao can get on the score sheet, that gives him a confidence boost, and uh, maybe starts paying back the value. Yeah, 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 and he definitely looked better than Remy in the um in the match yesterday. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I actually didn't catch a whole lot of that, but from what I hear, Remy was not very good. Yeah, of course. Um, just one, and just another one. Um, obviously, Barcelona have been doing their preseason without um, Messi and Neymar. People have been complaining, oh, this squad is so dependent. It's, it's dependent on Messi. It's dependent on Neymar. But let me ask you this. Had Neymar even joined the squad, would the team be any different? Would they have not lost to Man United and Fiorentina? But I know it's all friendly. Who everything, cares? But who cares? Would... Roberto, who cares? I mean, uh... no, but people are complaining. I'm I'm on my timeline. People are complaining. Oh, we're we're too um, dependent on Messi. We're too we're nothing without them. Or something like that. <laughs> I think that um, I think it. I don't think it's great to be doing your preseason the bulk of it, ninety percent of it, or whatever whatever percentage we're talking about here without those guys. Not just not because they not they can't be good when they get into the team, but because of you know rhythm and things like that. I mean. 
Barcelona is a great a great side, but they're not going to be they're not going to hit on all eight cylinders right off the bat just because they're Barcelona. They still need a little bit of that time together. Um, I, I mean, how can you possibly say they're too dependent on on Messi? I mean, of course you are. You know what I'm saying? Like, of course you're dependent on them. They're the they're two of the best players in the world. I mean, any team would be dependent. What 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 else can you do? They they are so influential when they're in the team, Roberto, that when you take them out of the team, of course you're unbalanced. Of course you have guys who don't. They're sort of looking around, going, "Oh, now I have to step up," because you get so used to being able to rely on on Messi and Neymar and Suarez to take care of the business, you know. But they'll get goals from other places. Exactly, exactly. And people are just being. I just don't like the fact that people are afraid of the um, that this side will be eventually be as. I guess you could say bad without them in the future. And I'm like, no, just wait, just wait. With them, with them being back in the squad, we'll definitely have them. Um, no, and you can see, more, look, you, you can you can see with Barcelona that you know the Barcelona game is there. They're a little bit more direct with Luis Enrique in charge and all that stuff. But they, that Barcelona game is there. They can pass the ball around to anybody. You you plug those two players back in. Now I said they, they need to find a rhythm. I don't know who they open their season with. I'm sure it's not uh, a super difficult challenge. Um, but they'll they'll figure it out, and and like I said, you plug you plug them back in, Messi and Neymar, and those guys will score the goals, and they'll pass the ball around every team in the in the La Liga except for for Madrid, and it all all will be well. Exactly, exactly. And with the Spanish Super Cup and the UEFA Super Cup coming up soon, they definitely need to be back on the squad, yeah, so that we can win. They so they could possibly win. Um, more trophies for the start well, of the new season. Roberto, let, let, let me just ask you, okay? Uh, because okay. I, I brought this up at the top of the show. All right, so the Human Rights Foundation is not happy with Lionel Messi, right? Because he went to Gabon. Yes, I he, heard about that. Okay. He, the fact that he... Why does he do this stuff? I mean, why does he put himself in the position to... to de- like, why does he have the tax case... Why is he dealing with this? Why? I mean, it's it, it, it's it's kind of mind-boggling to me. It's like you see, is he just so easily manipulated by the people around him that he doesn't pay attention to what's going on? He's a quiet person. You never see him talk to the press or to the media or anything like that compared to Ronaldo. Sure, Have but, you but that? yeah, of course. But that's what I'm saying. Like, so when he does step out into public or when he does have these issues, it, it's sort of my. It, it just. It's almost like it's almost like Lionel Messi doesn't care enough to pay attention to know that his image is being damaged by going and supporting a dictatorship or or having having his his likeness you know be used in tax dodges around you know that like that that kind of stuff is what stuff is, is that he should be aware of and it's almost like I'm not saying that he's that he's a, a bad person I'm not saying he's willfully doing any of this stuff, it's almost more like he doesn't care. Like, oh, all right, whatever. Like, oh, you need to do that thing with my money? Sure, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. you definitely see um, in various, I guess, uh, places when he's talking and everything, he seems to not, like, um, care of it, if you ask me. It's the wrong phrase, but there's a little bit of idiot savant about Lionel Messi. You know, it's it's uh, like he he I, doesn't I have. Well, I just mean look. He is he is amazing. He is the best player in the world. He may be the best player of all time. He is so good at what he does on the field that when he does and he has a hiccup off the field, when when these things these these bad stories come up around him, you kind of get the feeling like he does this one thing really really well. But that means that he's not very good at the social stuff, or he's not very good at the business stuff. He doesn't really understand how to make sure his image is not going to be damaged by the X, Y, and Z, Roberto. That I'm not again. I'm not saying he's. Yeah. I'm not saying he's an idiot. I'm saying that the, he no. is so he is so far above and beyond great at one thing that everything else suffers in his life. Exactly. Exactly. Um, just one last thing, Jason. Is Aaron going to MLS? Aaron Johansson? Yeah. No, I don't think so. I heard Ralph like. No, no, that's not happening. No, I, don't think, I did hear. I did hear a rather interesting rumor this weekend. I think it's out there in Philadelphia. And thanks for the call, Robert. I'm gonna let you go. Uh, no, no problem. There's uh, there's a rumor out there in Philadelphia Unionland that I heard that I have no corroboration about. I'm not going to speak 
on it directly, but I'll just put it out there because, again, it's out there already. There's a rumor that Alejandro Bedoya is going to become a Philadelphia Union player. So we're, we're on the lookout for that. I, I, don't have, I don't have any insight. I don't have any sources with the club. I don't have any sources with Alejandro. I don't, I don't know what's going on other than that's the rumor right now. And if Philadelphia can manage to pull that one off, that's, that's a big step for them. Now, I don't know that it does anything for them in 2015. I mean, maybe uh, things are tied enough in the East that you could you probably squeeze into uh, into a playoff spot. Yeah, they're, they're making the effort. I mean, they, they brought in um, uh, Barnetta, who had a bad, bad debut based on the, just the penalty, Sean Wright Phillips. But other than that, you know, it will be a good signing. Philadelphia, last place in the East. I mean, that's like you really got to turn it on now with, 11 games left. I mean, if they're if they were going to uh, if they were going to try to do this, then you got to jump over New York, Orlando who are legitimate playoff contenders, Montreal who's a legitimate playoff contender and just got better, uh New England who's turned it back around, Toronto who at any given point can be one of the best teams in the league or one of the worst teams. Columbus is good enough. They're going to be in the in the mix. We know the Red Bulls will be up there. We know DC United's got a, they've already got a, a nine point lead. They're going to be good. So, uh, you know, Philadelphia, if, they, if they're going to do something this year, they need to make that happen now. They need to get him in. They're going to get some, 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 uh, some quality play on the field with their new signings. Cause they still have, they look, they've got talent. I mean, Noguera's good. They've got some some decent talent there. Moadu is a better player than he's been able to show with them, I think. Um, there there's some talent there. They could probably do something fairly decent with that group, but they just again, you got to have that group together. You got to build that group together. Let's see if Alejandro Bedoya becomes a Philadelphia Union player. I'm just looking at the standings now since it came up, and yes, Lions OC Lions roar on Twitter, absolutely. Kyle Larry is rookie of the year. I, I don't I think you might as well go ahead and put his name on the trophy. Is there any reason to think that anyone is going to catch Kyle Larin for rookie of the year? Kyle Larin just scored his eleventh goal this weekend. He has now tied the rookie goal scoring record set by Damani but Damani Ralph, excuse me, back in two thousand three for the fire. He did it in like uh two thirds of the games that Ralph did. He still got He's still got uh, four to 12 games left to keep scoring in. Imagine he'll get a couple more. If Kyle Laren gets to 13, 14, 15 goals, there's the, well, first of all, he's walking away with the trophy already. I think more interesting than who's Rookie of the Year, because it's Kyle Laren, who's the runner-up Rookie of the Year right now? Who's number two? You know who's, gonna, who's, who's creating some buzz around himself? For a team that's bad, don't get me wrong, but just won on the weekend over the hottest team in the league, uh, the Chicago Fire is uh, is Polster. Could get a little bit of love. Not going to win. Kyle Laren's going to win. But who's going to finish second? Uh, let me. I mean, you know, there, there's not a whole lot to go on here, rookie wise. They're not. There aren't a lot of players that stand out. Laren stands out because he scores goals. We obviously give our trophies to guys who score goals too often, but in this case, I think he probably deserves it. Uh, let's see. Yeah, beyond him, it's, it's kind of tough to pick out a, a rookie of the year candidate. 646-832-3909 on a Monday. I'm still waking up a little bit. My apologies for that. Quite the weekend, both uh, domestically. We had the Community Shield game. We got some uh, some build up to the European season happening right now. The transfer rumor mill continues to turn and turn and turn. <clears throat> and apparently, Cristiano Ronaldo bought his agent an island, a Greek island. And you know, I, I, is this is this a situation where they're selling off islands because it's Greece and they're in big trouble and they have no money? I'm guessing that's part of what what's going on here, right? So apparently, Ronaldo is buying an island for this guy or bought an island for this guy. And, and it's, we're not talking about, like, insane amounts of, of money. There's there's islands that are listed for as little as 3 million euros, which for Ronaldo is nothing. So, I mean, let's not make it out to be like the guy is, uh, 
you know, spending hundreds of millions of dollars on his agent. He's spending a couple million, five, whatever. He's spending some money. But it does have that it does have that Bond villain vibe to it. Which is awesome. Because Ronaldo, alongside Seb Blatter, could very easily be cast as some sort of Bond villain. I'm not saying he's an evil guy. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I'm not saying that. I don't even know Madrid fans coming at me today. Just saying that if you was gonna if you're gonna make a movie and Cristiano Ronaldo could act it all, maybe you make him a Bond villain because he's got this like he's got this very unique look. Yeah, the the tan and the the physique and the whole thing, the whole thing. By the way, what else was it about the Ronaldo this weekend? Cristiano Ronaldo, when asked about the FIFA scandal, said something like, "I don't give a bleep." Which <laughs> Thank you, Cristiano, for sharing your thoughts on the corruption that runs rampant through world football. He said, speak about FIFA. I don't care about FIFA and Qatar. I don't give a beep. You want me to speak about product or FIFA? Come on. This was, uh, he's on (laughs) a sponsorship tour with Nike. He appeared on uh, CNN's Spanish network. When widely respected journalist Andre Oppenheimer had the gall to ask Ronaldo his opinion on the scandal that had engulfed football's world organizing body, the Real Madrid superstar let him know how he felt. He said, I don't give a bleep, and then he got up and he left. Because when you're Cristiano Ronaldo, you don't care about these things. You just play your football and make your money and jet around the world. And, um, yeah, I mean, what a life. 646-832-3909. Last call here on a Monday. Some other MLS thoughts for you uh, coming out of the weekend. We I mentioned RSL and DC United playing to a 10-goal thriller. I mean, I, do I have to say it that way? I, I mean, it was an insane game. Lots of great goals in that match. Uh, Montreal beating NYCFC. I mentioned that one as well. New England taking down Toronto. Josie Outdoor's red card. We touched on that. It's good to see New England on the back, back on the right side of things. And getting some some good play out of Kellen Rowe. Getting some good play out of Diego, Diego Fagundes. L.A. L.A.'s first win on the road this year, I think. I think that was their first win on the road against Colorado. Now, Colorado's not good, but that's a confidence boost for L.A. Uh, Steven Gerrard set up a goal that Alan Gordon scored. Um, you had uh, him setting up another goal for Robbie Keane. So plenty to be positive about with uh, for L.A., who last week got crushed by Houston in Houston. I mentioned Dallas losing to Chicago. This is MLS. Even when you're the best team in the league and you're the hottest team in the league, uh, yeah, you can go on the road to the worst team or one of the worst teams and lose because that's just the way things work sometimes. Portland and San Jose is a game I'm not even going to mention bother talking about no goals on the board Orlando sorry uh, or uh, Kyle Aaron's rookie of the year Orlando five Columbus two Darren Saren with a very nice goal Higuito with a very nice goal good stuff from Orlando Colin with both a goal on both ends for Aurelian Colin and I don't know somebody tell me what happened with Sean St. Ledger he was unceremoniously dumped by Orlando this past week and I don't know what the story is Something about team rules, but what did he do? Serious breach of club policy. Uh, what what does that mean? Did he get? Uh, I, I don't want. No, I can't speculate. That's probably not fair. Shouldn't speculate at all. And now he's out, and uh, Orlando moves on, and they have a little bit of a depth issue at center back now. They'll deal with it, I'm sure. Ha, <laughs> Trevor says, did he wear a color, color other than purple in public? Yeah, I think it was probably a little bit more egregious than that. All right, let's wrap up this edition of Soccer Morning on a Monday. Thank you very much to Andrew Mengen of Arsblog. Fantastic to talk to him as always. I enjoyed that. Uh, if you have questions, concerns, comments, you can send those over to Soccer Morning on Twitter. Uh, SoccerMorning.net. Yeah, yeah. SoccerMorning.net. Uh, you can also catch me at DavisJSN on Twitter. Uh, go to Backheel.com as well, the website for uh, the network. We've got uh, shirts and mugs and more shirts and uh, just the one mug. 
and uh, stuff. I, I still want to create a Where's Precky t-shirt. I, I don't know what it's going to look like, uh, but we should absolutely have one. I don't know why we haven't done that yet. All right. Thanks again to Andrew Megan. We'll talk to you guys um, tomorrow. See ya. Later. Bye.